Hi, this is your host, George Muniz-Gund. Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. So to start this episode, I just wanted to do a quick disclaimer. Um, I wanted to make it clear and let everyone know I am not a medical professional. I am not a psychologist or a therapist. I cannot diagnose you or provide... um, advice on um, personal matters. I am here just as another neurodivergent person sharing their experiences with the neurodiversity and autism and such from their perspective, um, but also trying to relate to the perspective of the majority of the um, autistic community, which is um, a community that I have found, um, a really, uh, a really good connection with, and, and I relate to in many ways. I also wanted to explain why I don't do, uh, I'm, or I don't plan to be doing intros and outros for my episodes. Um, the reason is it just feels very scripted to me, and uh, I want to give the most authentic, pure, legitimate version of just me talking and my thoughts, just letting my thoughts breathe, just just let it go, just, you know, not get in my head about, oh, did I, do I want to say this this way? Do I want to say it that way? You know, I don't want to do any, like, I don't do any fancy editing or anything for this podcast because this is intended to be just something where I come on and share my thoughts and what I have to say, so... Um, that is the reason you won't be noticing any, like, intros or, you know, I'm also kind of, uh, not very good at, uh, at, uh, ending these things, um, as an autistic person, um, it's not, you know, um, uh, goodbyes are, are tend, they're typically kind of awkward for me, so, um. I decided why try to why try to mask and you know act in a way that I feel like society would deem more acceptable, right? Why why not just just be me? Why not just you know use my platform and um, this podcast to just express things the way I want to express them? So so there's that. Um, now moving on. Uh, the first thing I wanted to cover in this episode is uh, I wanted to go over some autism and neurodiversity terms that non-autistic people might not be as familiar with. Um, so let's start with the term neurodiversity. Neurodiversity refers to the diversity of different uh, neurotypes, you know, different brain wiring, um, you know, ways that our brains um, work. So different examples of different neurotypes are uh, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, 
etc. And then you also have uh, what we call neurotypical brains or neurotypical people, and those are people with brains that work in a similar fashion to most brains, you know, the, the, the majority um, of, of brains and, um, you know, that don't, don't really diverge from the norm, like uh, autistic brains or ADHD brains or, you know, neurodivergent brains. Neurodivergent would be the brains that do differ from the norm. And, and in this whole discussion about brains, um, it's important to stop and remember that we still don't know a lot. There's a lot we just don't know about the human brain. So the whole idea of, you know, the neurotypical brain and the neurodivergent brain and the reason we need to have these labels, if you will, is because unfortunately the capitalist society that we live in nowadays is not kind to people that um, operate in a different way than the standard, you know, molds that they're expected to operate in. And therefore, they get singled out as being disordered or deficient. When in reality, we need to realize that they just they're wired a different way and they can thrive if they're provided the right supports. The problem is we just don't, um, that's not what we see in, in the world nowadays and um, just the way the world is built is not really fit for neurodivergent people. It's more fit for the typical neuro, um, neurotypical mold kind of style of brain, if you will. Uh, it's also important to highlight that neurodiversity is, it is the diversity of all kinds of brains. So neurotypical brains are actually also neurodiverse. And, and that this is, there, there's a, a, there are a lot of people that misuse the word neurodiverse. They, they use the word neurodiverse to refer to neurodivergent individuals, but Neuro, a, a neurodiverse individual is really any individual because you can be neurotypical or neurodivergent. Um, it, you don't have to uh, be neurotypical specifically or be neurodivergent specifically to be neurodiverse. So that's just um, a general explanation on uh, those terms. Um, one other term that is used a lot is specifically in the autistic community, uh, and I will use it, um, I use it in my writing, and I will probably be using it on this platform as well, is the term stimming. Now, stimming refers to repetitive movements or behaviors that neurodivergent or neurodistinct individuals do primarily to regulate sensory overload. Um, so when they're feeling uh, high sensory stimuli, such as a loud sound or 
really bright flashing lights or um, something that, you know, might be really overwhelming to their brain. A lot of uh, neurodivergent and specifically autistic people have something that we call sensory processing disorder, which affects the way the brain takes in certain sensory input and um, of course this varies by person. Um, the intensity of these sensitivities vary. But for many people, um, a certain amount of sound or light will be too much for the brain to process and it will you'll enter into what we call sensory overload and when you're in sensory overload you're basically overwhelmed there's too much to process and uh, the brain needs to regulate all that input somehow and one way we regulate that is through stimming which is these repetitive behaviors like you know um, rubbing your fingers together, or rubbing your forehead, or, you know, um, rocking your legs, or, you know, there, there's just so um, many, you know, fidgeting with something, uh, you know, you know, kind of playing with your headphones and whatnot. There's so many different ways of stimming. Um, and what's really interesting and fascinating also is that us autistics uh, and neurodivergence, you know, ADHDers, they do this a lot too. Um, we won't even really notice that we're stimming a lot of times until we catch ourselves, if we do catch ourselves, um, we catch ourselves doing it and, uh, we realize, oh, I guess I'm stimming right now, you know, um, that makes sense. Like if you're having intense thoughts, like it, it, cause sensory overload, it, it's not necessarily just from sensory input. It can happen from emotional overload. It can happen from emotional thoughts and, and feelings as well uh, that will trigger a stimming kind of um, response. Um, so that's one term that we, we use a lot, stimming. Uh, and then special interests. Uh, those are topics that um, autistics like myself get, like for instance, my special interests are weather and aviation. Um, those are topics that we get really interested in and we just do extraordinary amounts of research about. Um, and we become basically somewhat experts on these topics that um, many neurotypical peers of, of ours would never, like, feel inclined to research to such depth, but we have such a strong passion for these topics, and, and we research them, and we share them with others, and, um, that brings an, up another term, uh, that we call info-dumping, is when, which is actually known as one of the autistic, uh, love languages, uh, this is one way that autistic communication differs from neurotypical communication. And um, info dumping is something that autistics do. Like when we trust someone and we really want to share like about this thing that we really like, uh, that's what we call info dumping. And info dumping, um, there's a lot of stigma around it. You know, it can be considered like 
uh, an over-obsession, or I've heard the term in the medical pathology community, uh, hyperfixation, you know, when you view it from the outside and you don't really understand, like, it's not that, you know, we're trying to bore you or, um, you know, we only care about ourselves or whatever, or we're like somehow um, negatively obsessed with this topic or whatever. It's just that we care about this topic a lot and it's really interesting and fascinating to us and we care about you so much and, you know, um, we feel connected to you so much so that we want to share this fascinating thing um, that, that we really like and we want to talk about it with you. Um, I call autistic info dumping kind of the neurodivergent, neurodivergent or neurodistinct version of uh, neurotypical style small talk. Um, neurotypicals will usually tend to um, get comfortable with each other by exchanging comments about, you know, small, non-relevant things like, you know, coincidentally to most people, the weather, to me, it's actually a special interest that I really enjoy talking about. But um, to most people, they just want to like brush over um, certain subjects. And it's very interesting because there has been, like, I've had this kind of misread um, so many times in my life where the neurotypical person is just trying to, like, when it comes to weather, and this is just because it coincides with my fascination for weather, but when a neurotypical person is, like, just trying to, like, scroll through, like, a few random different topics with me, um, because that's their style of communication and how they get comfortable. I get comfortable, one way I get comfortable with people is talking about my special interests and seeing if we share any common interest in any of those topics and then going from there. And I would misinterpret, you know, I so someone would ask me about the weather but without really knowing how fascinated I am by weather and how much I can talk about it, go off about it. Um, and so they'll just ask me about it casually, expecting me to just comment about it for like a minute or something, if that. And I'll go on like a five-minute speech about why it's going to rain tomorrow, um, the direction of the winds and the cold fronts coming from here, and so the moisture is going to wrap around this way and the mountains are going to influence the rainfall because of, um, you know, the, the wind direction and the topography. So I go into all these details about, you know, why, why it's going to rain tomorrow and the person was really not trying to discuss any of it at length at all. And then they just get super confused and act like you're um, crazy or, or whatnot. And what's really sad is the reality is they're just not understanding that you have a different style of communication. Um, to you, it, um, 
conversation revolves a lot about sharing your special interests. To that person in that moment, they might prefer a more small talk sort of conversation. Um, and that's just really, you know, we shouldn't be um, saying that any one of those ways is wrong. They're just different ways of communicating and, you know, I, I feel like there's really nothing wrong with, with either one of them. And um, if we can just acknowledge that and, you know, just treat treat those as differences instead of like, oh, one way is, is right, one way is wrong or disordered or whatever, um, I just think, you know, as a society, we would be so much better and, and more inclusive. But uh, I wanted to move on to my next topic, which is the social model of disability and versus the medical model of disability. And um, this touches a little bit on what I already talked about somewhat in the first episode and earlier in this episode, but basically the social model of disability highlights that the disabled individual isn't really disabled necessarily, not in all cases, this is very important to highlight, but in a lot of cases they're not disabled because of their disability, but more because of the lack of accommodations and access that society provides. Uh, an example of this is um, a woman with a wheelchair. Let's take just a random example. Let's say there's a woman with a wheelchair um, and she can't access a building because there's no ramp for her wheelchair. So is that a matter of is is the the issue her wheelchair or is the issue that the fact there's no ramp there's no access for her wheelchair in my opinion the issue is that there is no access the building is not accessible to her and and this is what a lot of um the what what's at hand with um developmental disabilities such as autism and ADHD and such is the autistic way of of doing things and 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 you know supports and everything that are required and the ADHD way those are both very different than the neurotypical way and society is built around neurotypical norms. Uh, neurotypical ways of doing things are unfortunately viewed as the standard. And if you deviate from the standard, you are considered to be disordered. Um, and by consequence, you are disabled because you the way that you operate is not... Uh, the way that society is built for, and so, you know, you have a, a hard time fitting in to that mold a lot, a lot of times. And then what is really sad is that a lot of people end up being um, uh, very, you know, having 
poor self low self-esteem and poor mental health because they they go their entire lives feeling like they don't fit and that there's something wrong with them with the reality is when the reality is that the world just isn't inclusive enough towards neurodivergent neurodistinct uh disabled people and and disabled people in general not just those with developmental disabilities so uh just to close off um close out this episode uh the final thing i wanted to talk about uh for this one is some disability euphemisms and why they can be problematic the main one that I want to talk about um, is the term special needs. Now, I understand that a lot of people use this term with the best of intentions. Um, you know, they, they believe that they're doing good. They believe that they're being respectful because, of course, you know, it is a lot better than using... Um, other sorts of language which would be very outrightly ableist and offensive. So I understand the intentions. I understand that special needs at the time it was created, uh, it was, you know, as a replacement for language that is way worse than that. However, when you break it down it's not a very helpful term, um, and it can perpetuate stigmas, because when you call the needs of disabled individuals special, you are singling them out. And this is obviously not the intention of a lot of people, but you make it sound... The term special needs makes it sound like disabled people are some sort of foreign aliens or specimens so their needs aren't you know called human needs or support needs like the of uh, the needs of everyone else but you know they're called special needs it, it makes it sound like we're all like aliens or like you know different specimens but the reality is we're still human and within the disability community, like, disabled people themselves are all different from each other. No disability is 100% exactly the same. No um, disability needs are 100% exactly the same. They vary by individual. So saying special needs also assumes that, in, in a way, uh, unintentionally, of course, for a lot of people, it assumes that the needs of all disabled people are the same, and that's simply not true. So that is why a lot of advocates like myself have been pushing strongly for um, for the, the term special needs to not be used anymore, and instead to just use support needs, um, as that is more inclusive because it is actually including disabled people in the same group as um non-disabled people and like it just just you know as humans not like as foreign specimens that need to be separated and it's like we don't need the the goal here we shouldn't be separating 
disabled people from non-disabled people because, you know, they can't fit into non-disabled society. We should make non-disabled society more accessible and more accommodating to disabled people. So that that is the core message and, and matter that needs to be addressed here, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many others, too. Now, there are, of course, more euphemisms um, and, and such that I, I do want to discuss, but I know we're at 24 minutes already here. Uh, so I think I will leave those for another episode. I'll, I'll do a more specific episode on euphemisms, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about that special needs term for this one, so I'm glad I got to do that, and I got to cover some other stuff too. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little longer than the first one. Um, you know, I still, I'm just another reminder, I have sensory processing disorder. It takes a while for my brain to process things and put them into words, so there will be quite a few stalls and ums, and that's just the reality of it, and that's part of my uh, unmasking and unveiling journey is just allowing myself to be myself and not apologizing for my disabilities um, as I was used to doing so many times throughout my life, and now I just let myself be. So without further ado, um, I will keep everyone posted on when the next episode is out, uh, my social media accounts, um, my social media advocacy account is at sfbayautismacceptance on Instagram. I do not profit from it in any way whatsoever. I'm there purely just to share awareness and promote acceptance. So without further ado, until next time.